This is Scott, host of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast and Black author. You could get all three of my books. My first book, Systematic Racism and Capitalism, Alliance of Oppression. My second book, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy. And my third book, my first novel, Exodus 2035, all available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download the Kindle app to your smartphone or tablet, and you can access those products. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget you and you network. You can find that on Instagram, you and you underscore network, where you can find all the shows uh, under the you and you network. Shout out to the you and you network. You know what I'm saying? And all those podcasts that's on you and you network. Think for the you and you network. The head brothers at you and you network. You can check out the socials at you, A N D U underscore network yeah of course real quick though yeah, y'all know i got some first of all before my man scott actually speak before. speak yes real knowledge scott gonna speak i'm knowledge. gonna say something that really doesn't matter but it will hit your core um who do you who do you think is more confused about racism after reviewing some of your work uh white people or non-white people say the last part it broke up on me uh you asked who is more confused about racism, and then what was what followed? Yes, sir. Uh, who is more confused about racism, white supremacy? After reviewing a little bit of your work that we just have, who is more confused, white people or non-white people? Oh, I, I think white people. Um, I, I think that and confused is a is a generous word to use, uh, but uh, I, I think that. Uh, um, there, there is an absolute unwillingness to confront the reality of racism and white supremacy and 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 violence in American history, and it comes largely from um, the group that perpetrates rather than the victims. They not. I don't agree with that. But go you, ahead. I'm gonna say. We want to go back to our top story. There's new information tonight on the mass shooting in Buffalo. At least ten people were killed. Let's get back to ABC's Alex Boucher in Washington. Alex. We're learning late tonight, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has been briefed on this as the FBI prepares to investigate this shooting as a possible hate crime. Also brief Attorney General Garland and also the president. But investigators are going to be pouring through multiple online posts that this alleged shooter made, some reportedly praising South Carolina shooter Dylan Roof and others praising the New Zealand mosque shooter. And also late today, we're getting a statement from the NAACP, President Derek Johnson saying we are shattered and extremely angry and praying for the victims' families. Wait. All right, Alex, thank you. And tonight, Buffalo's mayor describing that mass shooting as the worst nightmare any community can face. We're also getting haunting images from the scene. Bystanders you see here comforting each other beneath an umbrella. Teams of detectives now collecting evidence. We know that a young man dressed in military fatigues and a helmet opened fire with a rifle. Again, 13 people were shot, 10 killed, among them a retired Buffalo officer working security. The suspected shooter is in custody now. Police say he's 18 years old and traveled about 200 miles to the supermarket. Law enforcement sources tell ABC News they're looking into whether he had extremist views cultivated online. Their investigation, of course, still in the early hours. So many unanswered questions. Welcome back to the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. The first interview you heard in the opening clip was that of Dr. Dennis B. Downey, 
who gave his opinion that when it comes to racism, white supremacy, white people are just confused, they're ignorant and they don't know. I disagree with that. I'm going to prove in this broadcast that they are the experts. They not confused. They not ignorant. It's not that they don't know. I don't believe in the 500 year coincidence that clip courtesy of an interview he did with the cows. We're going to get back to that. Breaking news. This just happened yesterday. Peyton Gendron. The man who shot and killed 10 people at a Buffalo supermarket is being reported. He was influenced by a New Zealand white supremacist who murdered dozens of people three years ago, according to a manifesto he posted online. This 18 year old white male drove two hours to a black neighborhood in Buffalo with an assault rifle, military fatigues, a hammer, a camera attached to a helmet and live streamed him murdering black people. Shot 13, killed, it says killed 10. I seen another uh, news update that said 11, but we can go with, with uh, I hope it's just, you know, I hope it's not 11. But it's being reported, shot 13, killed 10, 8 out of the 10 killed were people classified as black. This young man purposely drove two hours from his home to go to a black neighborhood in Buffalo, went to a supermarket and live stream himself killing black people. That ain't ignorance. That ain't, I don't know what I'm doing. That ain't, I'm confused. No, he purposely armed himself and drove to a supermarket to murder black people. He did that on purpose. That's what they call premeditated murder. And these white supremacists are really cowards. Dylan Stormroof in the church. Kyle Rittenhouse at a at a protest. Peyton Gendron going to a supermarket. These are soft targets. Guess what people are doing? Two o'clock Saturday afternoon at a supermarket. They buying groceries. This dude rolled up with a loaded rifle and just started firing on black folks. Started shooting. He did hit two white people. He almost shot and murdered a white man in the grocery store. He looked and saw he was white and he apologized and let him live. Because he did a shoot and kill niggers. That's his whole point. That ain't ignorance. This is white terrorism based on race. That's what it is. Now, there's also is also being reported that he was influenced by this replacement theory that the white supremacists have been floating around the last few years. Remember the whole thing in Charlottesville, Jews were not replace us. If you don't know what the replacement theory is, let me break it down to you. They think that the, the so-called uh, liberal white people have this secret plan to replace white people in America with non-white people. So, you know, take all their jobs and take all their resources and redistribute them to non-white people, redistribute them to black folks, uh, Muslims, uh, people from south of the border, anybody who's non-white. And they're just going to replace all the white people and put them in subpar position. So basically 
what the Europeans did to the Aboriginal people of North America, how they came here and colonized them and, and murdered all of them and took all their resources. White people is like, well, damn, we did it to them. Maybe, maybe there's this secret plan to do the same thing to us. Like, damn, guys, they going to do to us what we did to them. That's the replacement theory. Which is utter nonsense. Just like it is other utter nonsense that white people are confused when it comes to racism. And here's another thing I want to stop hearing. I want to stop hearing that, oh man, it's just people of a certain generation. They was raised a certain gen way, certain way. The younger generation, you know, is so much better when it comes to race. The youngest generation, they're going to solve this problem. They're going to get it. Oh, not really. Peyton Gendron is 18 years old. How old is Kyle Rittenhouse? Hmm? How old was Dylan Storm Roof? Not old men. We can't blame this on Hollywood. We can't blame this on video games. This ain't Call of Duty's fault. This ain't this 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 ain't Netflix's fault. This is systemic racism. That's whose fault it is. When are we gonna deal with that problem? There's a baby formula shortage in the United States. Right now, the shelves is bare at all major retailers. There's a widespread panic. If you look online, go to Facebook, maybe uh, Instagram, Twitter, it's people everywhere begging for baby formula. Do you have any baby formula? Can we buy from you? I got cash in hand. Can you meet me here? If there's anybody in this area with baby formula, you know, we running low, don't know what to do. There is a baby formula shortage and it's causing a widespread panic. If you have a baby, your baby needs baby formula. Not every mother is able to breastfeed. So there is a lot of babies out there or a lot of parents out there who depend on baby formula to feed their babies. And right now shelves are empty because there is an upcoming shortage. It caused a panic and people with babies at home went and scoured the earth to try and buy as much baby formula as they could so they could have some for their children. The same thing happened during the pan when the pandemic first started with the toilet paper. Remember, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, Clorox wipes. The shelves was empty. Why? Because of a supply of an upcoming supply shortage, people went into a panic and started hoarding. So they went and they bought, you know, like 30 packs of toilet paper because they didn't want to run out. So because one person walks in the store and buys 30 packs of toilet paper, who, who whoever the Johnny come lately's are. They can't get none. Why? Because your neighbor just bought 30 packs. And now you short. The same thing is going on with the baby formula. The question needs to be asked. Why is there a baby formula shortage? Let me explain. Four major com com companies in the United States of America control 90% of the inf infant formula supply. Abbott, Mead Johnson, Gerber and Perigold Nutritionals. Four factories, four companies produce 90% of the infant formula in the United States. The federal government shut the Abbott factory down. The Abbott factory is in Michigan. It is the largest producer of baby formula in America. They shut it down because they had to do an inspection of a potential bacterial infection because 
two babies died from the baby formula that were produced at the Abbott plant. So they went in and did an investigation and they had to shut the whole plant down to make sure there was no type of uh, infection, to make sure everything was on the up and up, to make sure no other babies died. But because they shut this plant down, the other three plants couldn't keep up with production. So that caused a disruption in the supply chain. They one plant being shut down in the United States caused a supply chain disruption in the entire country. Because there's only four companies that produce baby formula in America. They produce 90 percent of it. Here's the question. Why are there only four factories producing all the baby formula? I'll tell you why. Greed. These companies are so greedy. They want every penny on the ground and they work with lawmakers and politicians and senators to pass laws to make sure that nobody else could get into the baby formula business. It's so many hoops and hurdles and red tape you got to go through to get into the baby formula business is damn near impossible. So they have a monopoly on the market. So these four companies, they get all the baby formula money in the country and they just chop it up amongst themselves. So because so but if one factory goes down, it disrupts the supply chain across the entire country. So because these folks are so greedy and these companies are ran by white people because they so greedy and they want every penny. If there's a supply chain disruption, if one of these factories go, goes down, who knows how many babies might potentially starve? Who knows how many babies will not get baby formula because they had to shut this factory down. And the other three can't keep up with production. That's what's going on. And that's not ignorance. That's capitalism. Before I go any further, shout out to the UNU Network. Everybody should be following the UNU Network on Instagram. U-A-N-D-U underscore network. Follow all the shows. Keep up with all the shows. It won't cost you anything. We appreciate the support. Shout out to Separate the Two podcast. Reservation for Three podcast. Three Stars, Two Bars podcast. And a Taste to Consider podcast. And like, right. I'm not as blackity black as Scott, right. but I'm... But you expected it. <laughs> Hey, Rippy, still do a great job, though, brother. Let's move on to the next clip. Ban on menthol cigarettes. NPR's Andrew Limbong reports these cigarettes grew popular among black people after a marketing campaign. There's this classic sketch from season two of Chappelle's show. Welcome to the show. I know black people. Dave Chappelle does his best game show host and asks people various questions about black culture. And the very second question is... Why do black people love menthol so much? One of the contestants hems and haws until she says... I don't know. That's great. That taste. is correct. <laughs> no one knows. Well, the fact is that a lot of people know why. Keith Waylu, history professor at Princeton University. And it's the product of an elaborate and complicated push uh, that really began in the mid 1960s, around 1964, in fact. He's the author of the book Pushing Cool Big Tobacco, Racial Marketing, and the Untold Story of the Menthol Cigarette. And he says in 1964, federal regulators banned tobacco companies from advertising to youths. No more advertising on college campuses or handing out free Lucy's to young people. So instead, they just pivoted that energy towards black people. And the 
type of advertising went beyond just knowing what kind of imagery to use. It's the intimate understanding of black social structure. Who are the people who are influence makers in a community? The importance of finding those influence makers. Uh, they could be a barber, they could be a bellhop, uh, they could be a numbers runner, uh, and giving them free samples. And then they'd hand out those cigs to other people. The companies also gave a bunch of money to black periodicals. A lot of black periodicals like Ebony became so dependent on tobacco advertising that they were reluctant, and I would say more than reluctant, silent about the devastating health impact of smoking in the black community. Same with campaign donations to black lawmakers. The FDA's proposal on banning menthol cigarettes said that the move could potentially prevent somewhere between 90 and 240,000 deaths among black people over 40 years. And, says Weilu, it'll interrupt a process that has been creating new smokers for generations. Andrew Limbong, NPR News. That classic skit from that Dave Chappelle show, Why Do Black People Love Menthol Cigarettes So Much? We all seen it. It was funny. Nobody knows the answer why. Well, actually, that's a lie. The cigarette company in the 1960s purposely marketed menthol cigarettes to black people specifically. That's why black people love cigarettes so much. You heard it in the report. White society as a whole studies black society. This is not ignorance. They studied black society. They studied the social structure. They studied the influences. They studied the culture and they said in order to push these cigarettes amongst these people, this is who we need to connect with. These are the influencers. These are the politicians. These are the people we need to donate money to. These are the people who we need to support. These are the people who we need to get on board with our campaign. And black people will start smoking these menthols. And they did. Not ignorance. And it ain't magic. It's called marketing research. And they funneled millions and millions of dollars into marketing research into black people specifically. How can we get them hooked on these menthol cigarettes? And it worked. Why? Because they're not ignorant. Your enemy has been studying you for the last 400 years. They know everything about you. You think it's black culture. You think it's a black thing. Timberland boots. Nike shoes. The jewelry. The cars. The music. You think it's a black thing. You don't own the Timberland boots. You don't own whatever the latest sneakers is. You don't own them. Whatever the latest fashion trend is. You don't own that. Whatever the latest music genre is. That music genre. The black person may be the artist, but who owns the record label that he's working for? It's all owned and controlled by white folks. And that ain't ignorance. You are the food that they have been eating off of for the last 500. Well, I'm sorry, for the last 400 some odd years. It ain't ignorance. I'm going to keep saying that. I'm going to drive it into your head. They know why. Black people love menthol cigarettes so much because they marketed it to them. It was by design. Major League Baseball just celebrated Jackie Robinson Day a couple weeks ago. Jackie Robinson, he's highly regarded as the man who integrated baseball. No disrespect to Jackie Robinson. He was a phenomenal baseball player. And he, you know, he took a lot of heat from a lot of white folks when he uh, went to play for the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers. 
L.A. Dodgers now, Brooklyn Dodgers at the time. He he took a lot of heat. He got called all kinds of niggas. He got all types of death threats. Him and his family. He was you know workplace racism. He was abused, spat upon, attacked daily. What if I told you that it is actually well known that Jackie Robinson is not the first man to cross the color line in baseball? Let me blow your mind. Google this. Moses Fleetwood Walker. Moses Fleetwood Walker is actually the first Negro to play Major League Baseball. And he did it 60 years before Jackie Robinson. In 1882, Moses Fleetwood Walker, who was a catcher for the Toledo Blue Stockings out of Michigan, is the first black man to play Major League Baseball. Just Google it. It's actually well known. Major League Baseball actually recognizes this. They actually recognized him in the 1960s. You probably never heard his name before. We all know Jackie Robinson. You never heard of this brother. And he did it 60 years before. He was a catcher. He actually integrated Major League Baseball in 1884. Jackie Robinson did it, I believe, in the 1930s or 40s. He did it in 1884. Here's one reason you probably never heard of Moses Fleetwood Walker. Jackie Robinson, his story is is known for, I'm going to summarize this, turning the other cheek, being nonviolent, not fighting back. You know, he didn't go out there and try to attack a bunch of white folks. It's well known that Branch Rickey drafted him to integrate Major League Baseball back in the 1940s during the height of, you know, Racism and Jim Crow, white people call them all, all kinds of niggas. Again, not ignorance. You know, they didn't just go there and single him out for no reason and start calling him niggas. No, they was they singled him out because he was the only black black person. There. And he celebrated for it. He celebrated for taking it. He's celebrated for standing up. He celebrated as being a man of character. I'm not saying he wasn't. I got I got respect for Jackie Robinson. Here's what you here's also what you don't know about Moses Fleetwood Walker. Moses Fleetwood Walker actually killed a white man in self-defense a white man ran up on moses fleetwood walker one day and attacked him and our our good brother in the act of self-defense pulled out a blade and stabbed this white man to death moses fleetwood walker went to court and beat the case moses fleetwood walker killed a white man in self-defense went to trial and got acquitted because even the judge was like yeah this was self-defense i mean he ran up on you calling you all kind of niggas and tried to attack you and our good brother in the act of self-defense pulled out a blade and and did what he had to do so moses fleetwood walker wasn't to turn the other cheap type of a brother maybe that's why you never heard of him maybe that's why he's not celebrated as being the first black man to break the color bear in major league baseball because he killed a white man because he wasn't turning the other cheap because if he ran up on moses fleetwood walker he had a blade on him maybe that's why and guess what? That ain't ignorance. They didn't forget. Google his name. It's actually well known that he was the first black man to break the color barrier in baseball. But they don't tell you that. They don't have a Moses Fleetwood Walker day. They don't celebrate his jersey number. Hmm. I wonder why. I'm going to close out the show with this. One thing that I've noticed lately amongst the, the interwebs all over social media the the teachings and the belief of black people 
being aboriginal people to this land has gained a lot of momentum and has gained gained a lot of steam and it's become more popular over the last i would say four or five years i don't have no problem with that fun fact who was the first teacher amongst our people to teach that black folks were aboriginal people who was the first and i'll give you a hint was doing it in the 1930s not five six years ago on youtube who was the first that's your homework i'll go ahead and give it to you it was elijah muhammad this is not new information it's been documented it's been out there we just need to study a little bit more can't be youtube scholars we can't be instagram phds we got to dig into these records we got to do our homework and we got to study just a little bit more just a little bit more knowledge yourself speaking of studying a little bit more if you are interested in my books hypocrisy in america the veil of white supremacy and my very first book systemic racism and capitalism alliance of oppression they are available on amazon.com everybody should be following me on instagram on process underscore knowledge click the link tree in my bio it'll take you straight to amazon.com so you can get that written word everybody hit the like button please give me a retweet drop me a comment if you like what you heard here if you thought this show was constructive if you thought it was good information tell a friend isn't going to cost you anything if you'd like to donate to the show you can also do that through my link tree as well um so i'm saying that to say this i went all the way to say this the type of knowledge that black people are engaging facebook youtube ig twitter telegram is menial meaning not only is most of it complete garbage but it also is not transformative in their own lives and you can watch it and see it basically i'm saying most of y'all niggas capping It's true. And the test for it is what have you done with what you know? What have you done? What have you done with what you know? What have you done with what you know?